This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Light. Welcome to Tile Radio Podcast. I'm your host for the episode, Rajeshwari Kalyanam. Today we have with us Ms. Lina Mukherjee, psychotherapist, counselor, expert on stress mental health, especially women in menopause. She is from the United Kingdom and we are so glad to have you here, Ms. Lina Mukherjee. Welcome to Tile Radio. And thank you so much for inviting me on. What a privilege and pleasure. Thank you. It's wonderful to speak to you uh, and also our audience will get a wonderful opportunity to listen to your experiences. You work extensively on mental health issues, especially menopause, which is a very key issue for women and, of course, midlife. So we would like to talk to you, begin with your journey. Uh, how did you come about uh, working in this specific field and uh, a very important area for women? It is a very important area. And the, the catalyst for this area of work is two-pronged. Firstly, the experience with my mother when she was going through midlife menopause. But actually, fast forward, it was my own experience of menopause. I've had two menopauses, um, one when I was 42 uh, because I had a hysterectomy. So I was put into an enforced menopause, which was a very um, traumatic experience. What would normally take 10 years happened in three months that my body went through a massive process. And simultaneously, I was working with clients, um, people who, in therapy, who were also presenting midlife issues. And I was running a women's group looking at the sacred feminine. So that was one process of uh, engaging with this work. But then 10 years later, I started my own natural menopause and that opened up a different experience. So it's a combination of both professional and my own, very much my personal experience. Well, to work in this field, one, of course, every woman goes through an experience, but you have become an expert. Yes. So I'm sure you must have gone through a, a, a few courses. I wouldn't know. I mean, because right now you speak with such expertise yes. and also a lot of work would have been involved. So would you like to share some of it with us? Sure. So my own professional experience in, in terms of training, I've been in, well, I started my training in 19, 1999. That was my first introduction to counseling and the, the the whole need for it. So I was working with children through an agency called Childline, which was telephone counseling. And then over the next 10 years, I'm known as what's known as an experiential psychotherapist. So I was working with all sorts of people. Uh, I've done it almost back to front that my learning has come from my experience rather than being trained on a formal course, because there wasn't any, there isn't any training on this. It's, you literally learn on the job. And I worked with some very important clients who opened my eyes, my ears and my heart to the struggles of living in midlife. And, and my most notable client was someone I worked with for four years um, to her death. And she came to me in midlife and was told she had six weeks to live. And she heard I was good. And that was my training um, because the actual client taught me a lot and we worked together. And that then opened my my understanding of how much this area is hidden. So there is no training. I then went and did a master's degree in psychotherapy, Jungian psychotherapy, um, and already um, specialized in humanistic. So I was having two approaches to psychotherapy because I was realizing there's a big area missing in terms of where is the therapy approaches, therapeutic approaches dealing with women in midlife and Carl Jung was the closest 
Um, and he talks about the individuation process where at midlife, he actually got the ideas from India in terms of when we face the ending of our household existence and we end in going to a spiritual existence at around 50. And he put those two ideas together of midlife people in the West, then going into an individuation process. And that opened my world. And that would have been around 2011 to 2013 was my training, which I then was going through my menopause. So you put all those components together, absolutely created a very electric experience for me. And it opened my world of how um, this area is not covered. So it, my training has come from my client work. And I've worked literally with hundreds of women through this process, they reach me. So they're very curious about my um, experience, which I share very openly, and also my training. So I've done a lot of training. So very much experiential as opposed to academic, because there isn't a lot about this, which is where I'm coming into my own research that I'm going to be pursuing. That's amazing. Uh, you just now mentioned, by, and I've also seen that uh, there's a lot of Indic knowledge that you use in your therapy and in your work. Please talk about that. So the in-depth knowledge comes from my fusion of living in two cultures. So I was born in Britain, although my parents were from Calcutta. So the the input of a Brahmin um, tantric background, which is what I was brought up in, because my father was Purithit. And the 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 if I were to say the what really informs me is the Kali energy. She's seen as the dark mother. Carl Jung used Kali as the terrible mother, the dark mother influence. And actually, from my experience of Kali, it's the great mother. She enabled, if we can tap into her energy, we can begin to get the strength to face our reality. That's what Ma means to me. So I use that energy and that concept in my client work. And when I open women up to that concept, it's, they say, thank you, Lena. You know, in the West, we have a split existence of all good, which is very much the Christian thinking. And and we don't sort of look at what's in, in the repositories of our dark minds. Whereas Carly invites us to say, do you know what? Face your reality, find your strength within and deal with it. So there's, a, and it's very much about endings and beginnings with Carly. So that's what I use in my work. And that's the depth. That's why I'm, I call myself a relational depth psychotherapist, because it's meeting women who are going through their process at midlife where they are questioning, who am I? What am I? I've got all this success. I have the family. I have the car, the house, the brilliant job, and I'm desperately unhappy. Why? And that's what I work with because often we don't even know who we are. So utilizing the knowledge of both Western psychological concepts, the humanistic in particular, and the Eastern, which is what I draw on both. And being a Brahmin's daughter, you know, I, I use that energy. And I've run a yoga school for 25 years. So, you know, you bring all that together, you work on all those layers of the body, right from the physical, the psychological, the spiritual. It's an integrative process, incredibly powerful. And it's all there. So as an engineer as well, I was an electrical engineer in another life. So I'm looking at the, the, the schematic wiring of the human body, which is phenomenal. All the machinery is there. It's the question of how do we use it? And that's what I work with clients partly with as well from a word which was never used to something we all we all know menopause is a word we all know but why do you think there's still this gray area uh, where there is there, there's not much we know about 
That's where a, do you think is the acronym? That's a really good question, and I've raised it. I'm, I'm glad you've raised it. And I think from my experience of both being in practice and very much in touch with, with what's going on in the media world, people are frightened of aging. And I think that's what it boils down to, that in, in today's society, to be old is to be avoided because there is very little respect. We live in a world now where there is deference towards youth and beauty and that early stages of life, but very little respect and value is given to the elders. And I think that's where it's stemming from. And people, particularly women, don't want to age. You know, we're conditioned to believe we are of worth if we look a certain way, our hair doesn't go grey, that our skin doesn't wrinkle, we, we ply ourselves. And I think that's where it's become hidden, distorted. And I think that's the reason why people are frightened of getting old. Uh, well, getting old and menopause is one thing. And now we are most of the women, educated women in urban areas are career oriented. And you have done a lot of work uh, talking to people, working people and in offices. So how uh, what is the work that you are doing in uh, bringing this woman, the career oriented woman, the working woman uh, into this fold? And how are they dealing with the problems? Where do you see that going? Okay. Again, a very, very good question. Well, the fact that you and I are talking today and lots of women are talking, particularly in Britain, there's a very big movement at the moment around actually women in midlife are valued for the amount of experience they've had, you know, 20, 30 years of being at work. And the fact we're going through this change. So actually employers now, um, many of them are starting to look at their practices and policies to support women in the workplace so that they can continue to work, but knowing that changes are happening. So the fact that there is flexible working, that there is air something simple as air conditioning when women are going through the hot flush experience, be having access to water, you know, dehydration is a very big um, issue around menopause and knowing that they can leave their desk go outside, get a walk when they have that intense feeling of perhaps anger, irritability and go walk, knowing that they're not, um, you know, not wanting to be at work, but they're just learning how to regulate their experience. So that is very positive. But on the other side, it's also about supporting women to take the initiative as well, to take responsibility for their health and to say, you know what, I need this. I need this. I need this. I need time where I can be on my own, whether that's the workplace and in the home, and also to explain to their relatives, this is what I need. And that's often the case um, that women are so detached or not in touch with what their needs are because they're so used to providing for everybody else, whether it's the husband, the children, the parents, the workplace, that this is a new experience to work out. And once women start to recognize, actually, this is what I do need to help me, can then employers and the family, et cetera, begin to help. But it starts with the woman, as well as the workplace, also providing those policies and infrastructures, because we have a fantastic workforce that we don't want to lose. We want to support and certainly to retain. Well, that's amazing. And we just hope to see better workplaces, more and more of them. Uh, 
Ms. Lina, I'll kind of talk about this more in depth uh, later. But before that, I would like to know this is a very important journey for you. And you've been at it for some time. You've been writing books. You've been talking, doing the podcast. So um, can you share with us any high points? What gives you inspiration? What gets you going each time? <laughs> I think, you know, that's a lovely question. The inspiration comes from the women I work with. Do you know, I've run so many women's group and the, and the high points have, have been, there have been so many. And I think coming on radio like this is, is great. And actually, when I work with a group of women, when they go, yes, you get it, Lena, and you see the eyes light up, that they feel met. And it's a lovely word where they feel seen for the first time. And I'm running a group at the moment as I ran 10 years ago as another women's group, and it's like this decade apart, where there was such a wonderful experience of women meeting each other, not through their wealth, not through their garments or their gold. It was about their soul meeting each other. And it's, it's not a grandiose enlightenment moment. It was about being seen for who they are. And that to me is the moments when I feel like I've done the best work, when I facilitate it either on a one-to-one where the person I'm working with, we connect, we connect at such a depth that they're seen for who they are, the value for who they are, and they grow. So that's been huge. I also made reference to the first client I ever worked with when we worked to her death, the four years that was way beyond the six weeks. That was a really high point because she had a good death knowing she'd found her peace. The fact she came to me presenting her cancer because that's what it was and realized that she was so empty that nobody had valued her ever as a person so we worked together intensely for those four years and it was a beautiful experience of I didn't want her to die but that was her life journey but I knew that actually for her to die peacefully knowing she'd been seen recognized valued as a person from the soul right through to the physical body was one of the most oh, privileged experience I have ever had and will continue because she inspired this journey for me to go. Because she used to say to me, Lena, Lena, go use your words, your eyes, they speak to me and your hands because they were such kind instruments. I can feel it now to help me live well to my death. And that touched my heart and continues. So that's why I do it. It's worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. You've also written books. Um, can you talk about them? Well, I've written a number of articles. The book is coming. And to me, books have been the constant in my life. And it's where we can get messages out. And, I, and for me, it's about sharing experience. Because often in menopause, it's a very lonely process. Very, very lonely process. We don't talk about it. We don't have the means yet. And to, books to me is like when you pick up a book and go, oh, that person's experienced what I think I'm going through. There's a real sense of connection. So it's, it's an opportunity to share some wisdom, some humor, the trials and tribulations, because I don't have answers for readers. But what I can offer is ideas and signposts and reflections of, could this be happening for you? This happened for me. Let's get a conversation going. So books to me are sources of information more about wisdom 
both in terms of sharing experience, but for the reader to access theirs. That's what I see books as doing for stimulating thinking and empowering women with knowledge. And that to me is my life's work. It really is. From the time you started, Lena, to now, um, where do you see the uh, therapy going? As in, th there is you. And when you started, there were very less number of people working on it, less resources to pay for people to kind of go back to. Where do you see that now? What is the situation now? Well, certainly in, in Britain, where it, there's a big movement, um, and particularly on the back of the Me Too movement. So there's like a, a wave going through with the menopause um, movement. And there's something about opening up conversation, education. Certainly for me, I'm making this my my life's work. Now, you know, I, I've been a, a what we call it, not a, just so much a general therapist, but I have a lot of expertise in lots of areas. But I think as I reach my coming out of my menopause and going into into the next phase of my my life, it's dedicating my focus of work for, to women in, in menopause. So the aim for me now is literally tomorrow I'm going to be talking about the potential for a PhD in this area and really then starting to take it out into the world, plus the broadcasting. So more literature, more conversations, more getting women to to ask the questions and getting networks together because that's what I'm very good at and there's a lot of that happening so we have mechanisms to talk and not be shy it's about normalizing that this is a healthy process and that is the public health message I certainly want to put out there what you're going through is natural it's an opportunity and it's an opportunity for growth and a better quality of life for the second half of your life so that's that's where I see it's going. And there's more. It's just that we've got to get it, um, I guess, in some ways, getting structures in place so it's not doesn't disappear into the ether, but there's a more structured approach, like the podcasting, which is why I think podcasting is so vital because women can listen, listen, because often in menopause, we get brain fog, it, our processing of the, because our, literally our brains are being rewired during menopause. So, we have to listen to things over and over again. We have to read things over and over again. So these meetings are very important to have access to rather than just the one-off. That's the way I see it's going. And we've got fantastic machinery now in the virtual world to do this. The digital technology is fantastic. Let's use it. Absolutely. And you, whatever you said sounds very promising, very hopeful. Um, I would like to take this to the next episode to talk about more pertinent questions, more questions closer to menopause and women issues. Thank you so much, Lena. Meet you in the next episode again. Thank you very much. You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.